It's time once again for another 11 Dubcast, everybody. I'm Michael Citro. I am Johnny Ginner. And, Johnny, it's been uh, a pretty good week for our beloved Hoops team. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they showed a little bit of improvement. They had to come back against Northwestern, a game that I attended, um, mm-hmm. and they didn't look amazing against Rutgers, which is a really garbage, garbage team, but... You know, it's two wins. It's two mm-hmm. games that they absolutely had to win, and that was definitely in doubt against Northwestern, although that's really, you know, they're a team that just lives and dies by the three, and if they're hitting them, then it's really hard to beat them, and they, they hit them in the first half, and they did in the second. So yeah. that's one of those games that I don't think you can draw a whole lot from. The Rutgers game was a little different, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was a good week for them. It makes them look a little better, especially going into, uh, you know, selection time for the NIT tournament, so... Got to, got to, got to, you know, brush up that resume. Yeah, well, I think they're the resume is. Are they Ohio State? Yes. Okay, they're in the United. Right. Yeah, I agree. Are um, they are they Ohio State, <laughs> and do they have a winning record? Well, exactly. So here's um, my thoughts going into that Northwestern game, and we 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 barely tickled that subject uh, at the end last week because we recorded over two nights, but. Um, Northwestern was a team that gave Ohio State a little bit of trouble on the road. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, when they hit their threes, they're they're unbelievable. And that yeah, I mean and McIntosh kid like, sometimes can hit those threes, and you just get annoyed. Right. Him and Demps are bombing things in, and they're going in, and and it's kind of annoying. But the thing that worried me about this game was that that game was like really not a gimme the first time around and Alex Ola was out and now, now they get their seven footer back to go along with the three point shooters. Right. And now they can work the inside out game a little bit, but Ohio state's uh, interior players did a good job on him. I thought, yeah, I mean, it, there were moments where he definitely was bullying around some guys and he's, he's big. I mean, he's a big honking dude and, and he can get his yeah. way a lot of the time. But um, I think for the most part, he was kind of kept in check and they really were forced to just go to outside shooting and hope that Ohio State, you know. And the other thing, and, and really I don't understand why Thad Mata doesn't do this basically all the time. <laughs> but when Ohio State kind of went to man and really started putting a lot of pressure at them, you know, up and down the court, that's when Northwestern really seemed to struggle in the second half. So I, you know, I would hope they would do a little bit more of that, especially against teams that they have a pretty decided athletic advantage against. But, you know. Uh, he's got a, he's got a system. He's trying to get them to adhere to, and I'm sure that doesn't that's not the plan for next year. So, um, yeah, I, I get it. I can see why he would do it that way. And two wins against two meh, teams is is fine for this team right now. So I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, and you kind of have to be because <laughs> right. That's that's what you got. That's what you're stuck with. Yeah. So that mentioned something this week on his show. I think about. Um, how this team reminded him of the 2008 NIT team. <laughs> right, yeah. And it, it was an interesting thing. You don't hear coaches say very often that, you know, this. hey, this reminds me of my NIT team. But, um, you know, Thad's had a little bit of success in the NIT. And, you know, we I think we jokingly, maybe not quite seriously talked about this before, but is this a team that you think that could actually make a run and, and kind of come together and, and win no. the lesser the lesser of the two no. or, or, or of the two big the answer is no. So <laughs> you don't team, think look that team that I don't I'm saying this team isn't talented right but that team a I think had more talent than the team that we're looking at right now b had more senior leadership uh, and c was like really really angry about being left out of yeah. the NCAA tournament. Like, they, they were furious about that. 
So right. I don't know that that kind of motivation really is there for um, for this team. So yeah, I, I mean, I think you know, I think they're happy uh, kind of <laughs> to be going to any kind of postseason thing. I don't think you'll you'll get that kind of like grit and grind that you really need for them to to make a run at it. I think. Well, I think what we're what we've seen in the past is a lot the the teams that obviously it didn't happen this way for Ohio State, but the teams that go far and and usually win the NIT are not necessarily teams that were you know borderline snubs for the NCAA tournament. Sometimes they're teams that just come out of nowhere. I guess I don't. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of acquaintanceship with the NIT and its its historical outcomes. Um, I just feel like to a Wikipedia. Yeah, I know, but I just feel like for this team specifically, like it just does not feel like a team that's really particularly motivated to go out and win the NIT for the Ohio State. Like I don't, I don't know. That's something that's really motivating them. I don't think that 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 the here's my my thought on the attitude toward the NIT is that some and every team is different, even sure. teams from the, from the same school. Yeah. Some teams look at it as we got slapped in the face. We got we're in the NIT. Let's show those guys. Yeah. Some some are like, uh, we didn't make it in. We're disappointed. Who cares? Let's go. You know, play. So what? See, so whatever happens happens. I, and cares? that's just the vibe that I get from this team. I don't know that they are going to be super amped about. And then there's other teams that I think look at this as an opportunity to prepare for next season. Right, and that's great. I that's, mean, look, any more games is great. Like any any time you can get the more game time experience, I'm totally cool with. I just don't think they're going to make a run and, and win. Well, that's see, sort of that's where I was getting at because my take on this team is it's a team that knows it's building for something next year, not this. Sure. Year. And I and I think that there's, I think a large core of this team will go into that saying, let's use this as a run to see what we can do next year. Right. So I'm not saying that they necessarily will go out and win the NIT. They could lose in a first game. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could still not even make it, but you know, depending on how these the the stretch run goes. But I, I think this is a team that seems to me a young, excited team. Not all of the players are excited, but they're not all young. The ones that aren't excited, right. I think you know what I'm getting yes. at. Um, and you know, I, the guys that I see that have that have that will to win and want to improve, and uh, maybe that the light has gone on for for some of these some guys that were sulking, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I think it is is that they see this as an opportunity to to spring into next year, sort of. So while I don't expect necessarily a a, a banner to be hung for this uh, NIT championship, mm-hmm. uh, I do think this is a team that could go. Do they do they do that? Do they hang banners for NIT championships? I they used to at the old St. John Arena. Uh-huh. I don't know if they. I have. I you know I've still never seen a game in Value City Arena because I haven't lived in Columbus. Really? In all I years. guess not. Yeah. I you know what I I should have checked, but I did not see one um, when I went there. I know they've you know they got like Katie Lucas and and mm-hmm. you know some of the other guys. There are other names up there and Jerry Lucas and and whatnot. But uh, uh, not Dennis Hobson. Not Dennis Hobson. Yeah, but but that that is the segue into what I want to get into today, which is. Um, okay talking a little about E.T., the villain e. coming back, mm-hmm. get his number retired. How do you feel about that? Do, do you feel that Evan Turner has reached the lofty heights needed to get his number retired? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wrote a column about this. I feel yeah. very strongly about That's it. That's why. Um, Evan Turner, <laughs> National National Player of the Year, uh, had one of the greatest OSU basketball careers that you could have yeah. and, and, and left early, uh, so it could have been even you know loftier, but he – he certainly. I think a lot of people forget how dominating of a player he could be in college basketball, and 
you know, when I went back and I was looking up his stats. Oh, his stats are insane. They're absolutely um, unbelievable. <laughs> I'm looking up his 20 and 30 point games and his double doubles, yeah. and I'm going, holy cow, this guy put up some numbers and uh, willed his team to win in situations where they were a sure defeat. You know, everybody remembers the shot against Michigan. Yep, which is I mean, you don't, why they are retiring his number against you, Michigan. Yeah, you don't win those games. Right. You don't You don't ever see teams win games like, I mean, you do, obviously, but it's never your team, right? It's always somebody from, you know, hey, oh, it's St. Bonaventure, you know, <laughs> or something like, like that, right? Right. You never see your team win a game when they're down two and there's like four seconds to play. You know, that, that hardly ever, ha- you know, you hardly ever get to see that happen and to hit a half-court shot for three points to win the game, that's that was amazing. And, uh, you know, he, he had an incredible career. I liked watching him. I would have loved to have seen him play another year, but obviously I understand when you when you need to go, you go. And and uh, I, I think it's great that they're honoring him. I think there are other guys they should honor that maybe they're, they won't because they've set their criteria bar too high. I, I think that if you're trying to show that you have a, a historic program, I don't think you can – make it, you know, such a lofty exclusive club. I think you have to like maybe let a few guys slide in there and Well, and, and, and uh, see that's the thing. Like because I think some people have maybe the impression that that's what's happening, but I agree with you. I mean, he was a national player of the year. There's no sliding in anywhere. At that right. Point. He didn't slide. I don't I don't want to say that uh, that you know that that's what's happening. No, I know, but I'm just I'm saying like, about, that's like, super, like I feel like some well, he didn't win like a championship or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a stupid, but b like again, you look at this guy's stats, you look at what he accomplished. I think it's perfectly legitimate that he gets his number retired. I don't know how many other people necessarily you might want to like give that to, but you know, it, it's weird because in basketball we really like we like the glue guys, right? Like especially in college basketball, we like the guys who are scoring like you know twelve points a game and getting eight rebounds and like seven assists and like are diving after balls, and that's great. But when you have an otherworldly talent like an Evan Turner, uh, at least in college, I think you need to recognize that. I mean, I would love to retire David Lighty's number, right? But that's not going to happen. So, right. like, you know, like, you know, guys like, you know, or, uh, you know, or an Aaron Kraft even. Like, Aaron Kraft was a great player, but does he deserve to have his number retired? Probably not. Um, yes. And that's and that's just kind of the – I think that we need to recognize that, even though Evan Turner is a crazy man and a, you know, very weird individual and, and maybe not like – you know, he's not the bright, sunny face of the program. doesn't matter. He was an incredible college player. He definitely needs to be uh, recognized for that. And plus, right. I, has, I love his weirdness. I love how insane that I do, too. And, and he's, I mean, he's on my favorite NBA team, yeah. so I'm, well, I'm able to go. celebrate that. But, see, if he had a personality like Jared Sullinger's, nobody would even question it. Sure. Right? Right. I mean, he but, doesn't. He's, he's a crazy weirdo, and that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like... <laughs> That yeah. we get too caught up in, in what we perceive to be the personality of these players, and you know, like <laughs> Aaron, again, Aaron Kraft's got that great wholesome quality about him. But that you know, beyond that, he was a a great defender, one of the best on the ball defenders I've ever seen. But overall, a, a you know, a pretty average to really good player, not like an excellent you know otherworldly player that sometimes Evan Turner was. So. I think that, you know, Turner absolutely deserves this honor. Uh, I really hope Mark Titus is in attendance. Uh, yes. <laughs> just to yes, troll I him one last time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, you know, Thad Mata was talking a little bit about um, his interactions with Evan Turner. And, and just, I, <laughs> Thad Mata has had to have, I you know, if you have the right personality for it, the past 10, 12 years, 
you know, whatever as an Ohio State coach is either got to be one of the most fun, entertaining experiences that a head coach can have, like one of the most insanely frustrating, like irritating experiences that a head coach can have. I feel like that Mata can roll with it and think it's hilarious, and I'm sure he has had a great time. Um, but I just think about some of the players he's coached over the years, and I'm like, man, that dude has had to deal with a lot of personalities over the years. So, Yeah, and I love the story told this week about having to having to deal with Turner, and he, he kung fu kicked the door open and said, <laughs> Either grow up or get out, and I don't care which one you do. Just pick one. Well, and then like the story from Titus's book, right? Like Mark Titus wrote about how like like Mata specifically just told him to just make Evan Turner as mad as possible during practice. Like I just you know when when Thad Mata finally leaves Ohio State, he will be so missed. Not just because he's a great coach, but also because uh, he just I think gets it. Like he understands what coaching at this level is, and I man he's. We really, at some point, hopefully we can get some kind of, like, insider book from that yeah. model, because that tell got so many, so many stories. So here's my thing about Evan Turner. You know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, okay, he's he's done this and he's done that and he should be in the rafters. Sure. And, again, this isn't – it's not like a, a retirement of the number. People are still going to wear his number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because college basketball has a ridiculous rule. Uh, where the numbering is concerned, which is outdated and stupid and needs to be changed. But right. I digress. Um, but they say, you know, oh, he's in, so this guy should be in. Or I'd, li- I'd rather see this guy in first and that kind of thing. And, and there's not a lot of those guys. But as I was mentioning before, if you're if you're trying to take your program to the next step, this is not a program that can look back at the the halls of legends like you know, North Carolina and Duke and Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, you've got so, you've got a decent amount of really good players, but you don't yeah. have yeah, you don't have like a Jordan that you're. But there's guys that should probably be honored, and and you know, Hobson always leaps to mind because well, he's sure. the all-time scoring leader, and, and, and um, rightfully so. And, but maybe you know you can you can slide some other guys in there like a Herb Williams, a Kelvin Ramsey, mm-hmm. um, maybe a Clark Kellogg. People know who he is at least. Well, yeah. And, well, and, you know, guys that were great players, but you know they don't have the the resume. Well, it's weird you know, because sometimes clincher of national player of the year. Yeah, and I think it's weird because sometimes we expect for people to have either their number retired or something like that for them to have some kind of success in the NBA. You know what I mean? Or just mm-hmm. in the professional leagues, even if you're talking about like football or whatever, it's odd to me that we don't separate or we can't separate those two things. Like Evan Turner, right? Like Evan Turner probably deserved to have his number retired a couple of years ago, but he wasn't playing that great in the NBA, right? Like he's he's playing on the you know seventy sixers and it's garbage team and whatever. And like, um, it, it's interesting to me that maybe some of that movement got started as he starts to play a little better. Uh, in the NBA, and I, th- I think they're connected in some way. I think sometimes when a player does well in the professional, you know, ranks, that it puts their name in people's heads again, where they're like, oh yeah, the guy was pretty good. Maybe he deserves to have some recognition. And I don't know that's fair. I, I think there are some people who just deserve it simply based on their college accomplishments, and and like you know, some of the guys you just mentioned are, I think, prime examples of that. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I got a, a quick Evan Turner story. I got to actually see him when he was with the Sixers. Um, I got our, I, I won in the raffle our company seats for the uh, the Magic. Oh, sweet! And so I got to go sit in the second second row and watch the the Magic and Sixers play. And um, I wore an Ohio State T shirt. And when uh, when Turner came up came to check in the game, I was like ET, and he turns around and sees the the shirt, and he's like, you know, gives me a big smile and thumbs up, and that's good. And 
He was actually one of the best players on the floor that day. So. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like his his talent has never been in doubt. It's just whether or not yeah. he can wrap his head around what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he's always been a dude in the NBA at least, where he can give you thirty. He can drop thirty five on a dude. That's, I mean, he'll do it. But like mm-hmm. other nights, he'll just be like, God, I'm so angry at everybody. Somebody put the wrong flavor Gatorade in my bottle. And he'll he'll go out and shoot like you know zero for eight. <laughs> <laughs> and then just do on the bench for the rest of the game. Like he does that, and it's it's okay. I mean, he's not he's we're not, he's not trying to be Jordan or Kobe or whatever. But like, you know, it, it's it's only recently, and I think honestly with the Celtics, like that is a really good situation with him and Brad Stevens, and of course Sully's there. So yeah, and him and Sully are very very close. Yeah, so. yeah, and and they've you know, so I, I think that's definitely a good situation for him. And yeah. I wish Jared. Jared Sollinger, he's another player I would put his name in the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, you look at his accomplishments, I mean, definitely, definitely had a huge impact at Ohio State while he was here. I believe he left as uh, as part of the winningest class in Ohio State. Something like maybe? that, yeah. Over over two seasons that he was there. Right. I think he had the most wins, I think, in two seasons. I might be wrong, but I think it was something Let's like that. Let's just say you're right. Let's just, say, Let's just yeah. say I'm right and that I've never been wrong. That's right. Let's just assume that. I, yeah, I always do. <laughs> All right, we're joining us this week on the 11 Dubcast. Uh, we're very excited to have uh, Joey Bosa on the program. Uh, Joey, thanks for joining the 11 Dubcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You know, I think this is a first. Johnny, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we we had uh, your dad on, Joey, so now we've had uh, a father and son <laughs> on, on the Dubcast. Yeah, I don't know that we've done that with anybody else. <laughs> so uh, what I wanted to start out with is just kind of Checking in with you, see what you're up to in terms of, of your preparation for the combine, see how that's going, and sort of maybe who you're working out with, and and what exactly you've been up to since uh, the season ended. Uh, well, whew. excuse me. First, um, first I had to get my wisdom teeth out right after the season, so that was kind God. of a bummer. I spent spent a week in Columbus dealing with that, but um, once I got back, I got back in the swing of things pretty quick, and I'm training out in Boca with a guy named Tony Villani, amazing guy. It's been going real great so far. What kind of like what are anything specific that you're doing to help yourself prepare for the combine, like working on speed or agility or anything like that? Uh, yeah, for every possible thing, you know. <laughs> we actually we talked to uh we talked to Darren Lee about this. They were we were talking to him about like the Wonderlick and stuff like that. Does that go that deep? Like do they ask you like interview questions and crap like that to get you prepared for it? Oh uh, yeah, I, I actually have two sessions set up the, uh, over the next week. It's going to be like 4 hours, so um <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> Now, with with you getting ready for the NFL, obviously you you have something that a lot of these other um, you know people about to be drafted don't have, and that's a dad that's gone through the draft and and played professionally. Has he been helpful in, in terms of helping you get ready for for the next step? Oh yeah, of course. Um, not only him, but just my parents in general. They've been helping me every step of the way, but definitely to have someone like my dad that's been through it all, seen it all, he's made mistakes, he's learned from them, and he's just he's just going to make sure I never make those mistakes myself. What's something that's, like, completely surprised you by the whole, like, preparation process in this thing? Um, well, training with Coach Mick is just nonstop. You can't sit down for two seconds. It's just 
go, 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 and then getting ready for this combine. It's a lot of it's a lot of waiting around, and that's just that was really new to me because all I want to do is grind and work. But it's like right. I trust Tony, and I know what he does works, so I have no problem with it now. <laughs> it was just it was just a weird transition. Right, going from like I I mean like I said with with the uh, coach Mick, I'm sure is just like insane i mean we actually it's funny because we were talking about this the other day um saint valentine's day massacre and things like that so uh like i i guess maybe one of the other things i wanted to ask about was um especially with regards to the combine is there anything that like you especially want to do like super well and to kind of show you know what you're able to do um well i read uh read a little thing on nfl.com about how i may reach under a 480, but uh, that made me laugh, so just wait until the <laughs> combine, and you'll, you'll see. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about in terms of the, the preparation for the next step is that, is how much, you know, like, what, how much are you putting into the combine, and what kinds of things maybe are you holding back for pro day, or, or is there anything that you're holding back for, for pro day? Um, I'm really looking to just smash this combine, get everything out of the way, and really just go to pro day, do my position drills, and that'll be be about it. So another thing that I kind of want to ask you about, and this this goes back to you know playing Ohio State. Um, we've asked you know guys like like Darren Lee about uh, some of the coaching that he got, especially from Coach Fickle. Um, I was curious, what was your experience with like Larry Johnson and, and his uh, coaching style? <sighs> Oh, excuse me, sorry, I'm falling asleep. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I owe every every little piece of my success to that man. Uh, the difference of me freshman year to now is just so unbelievable, and I, I owe it all to that man because just how he coaches, how he really makes us play for each other, how we all love each other so much in that room, and just not only that, but technique, the techniques he teaches us, it's unlike anything else in the country. Now, Joe, you, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people expected, you know, that you would uh, turn pro after your, you know, after your season and, and that you would be a very high draft pick and all of that. What are you hearing in terms of numbers and what are some of the things that you're hearing, you know, obviously there's always positive and, and negatives uh, out there about every player. What are some of the things that you've heard in terms of that might hurt your draft stock that you're, you know, especially working on now? Uh, can you say that again? Yeah, wh- what are some of the things that maybe you've heard in terms of your, your draft positioning and, and what you need to, to work on? And, and, you know, what are those items and, and how are you addressing those here in the in the lead up to the Combine? Um, problems as in my playing style, or what? What are you trying to ask? Yeah, just little things that 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 you know, you know, when you see these draft things, there's needs to improve this, and there's yeah, you know, um, your strengths and weaknesses kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't see me as a quick tit, quick quick twitch bendy guy, but it's uh, they might they might just not be watching the right film because. Uh, <laughs> I have the speed and I have the quick twitch. I, I guess kind of bothers me. I get I get looked at as a hustle guy who who strength who has strength 
and then they don't watch the plays when I'm speeding around the edge using my hands and just knocking tackles on the face. But uh, I don't really listen to the outside noise. I just focus on what I can control right now. So let's talk about some of those plays. Um, you know, you've you know obviously had a really storied career at Ohio State. I mean, it was it was amazing getting to watch it. What are some of your personally or personal favorite plays that that you've been involved in during the uh, the career that you had? Um, I guess the big plays that everybody knows: the Penn State sack, the Cincinnati sack, and uh, that sack and uh, team up north this year. And the pick <laughs> that was that was fun, but um, yeah. there's so many there's so many plays where I'm I'm focused on using my hands and beating these tackles in ways that other people just can't do in college right now. And when I when I do that, sometimes I don't get to the quarterback and don't make the play, but then nobody sees sees the actual moves that I'm using. So it's I wouldn't say it's the my favorite, some of my favorite plays are watching just the nice pass rush moves, whether or not I made it to the quarterback or not. It's like you really hit the technique and you're able to get done what you need to get done for that play. Say that again. So you really hit the technique and you're able to get you know done what you needed for that play, you know, to to funnel it to somebody else or to just blow up the play or whatnot. Yeah. All right. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Joey, is that uh, you know. Obviously, Urban Meyer was able to use you both on the outside and the inside. And I just want to get your take on, you know, how much you think that will help you, you know, moving up to the next level. Um, I think it it really helps being versatile. Um, I think teams could look at me as this, will be able to look at me as a stand-up 3-4 end that will be able to drop, which I'm comfortable with. It's not my favorite position, but I'm, I definitely feel myself more as a fourth mm-hmm. down lineman. But I, I I know I could do whatever they need me to do, drop and coverage, uh, cover backs, whatever they need me to do. And if they put me down in three technique, I could do that as well. So I, I'm kind of going back to the Ohio State stuff, I guess, because I just keep things keep popping in my head. But another thing that we've been asking guys is uh, maybe one of the most memorable you know moments with uh, Urban Meyer that maybe we wouldn't know about or saw on the field. Uh, do you have any stories you can tell us with regards to that? Um, I think the closest our team has ever been with Coach Myers after that Michigan State loss this year, because you could just feel him his bad energy throughout the facility and how upset he was, how he felt like he let us all down, hmm. and just we. All we wanted to do was make him proud and pick him up. And after that, I feel like our relationship just grew to to the next level. That's awesome. Now, when we had your dad on, we talked uh, about him, uh, or we talked to him about, you know, how important it was or or how much of a factor. This was obviously before you made your decision public. uh, How important of a factor it would be that your brothers come into Ohio State in terms of whether or not you might stay for your senior year. Um, and he mentioned that, you know, you guys had played together in high school, so he didn't think it would be that big of a factor. Did you think about that at all when you were making your decision? Um, I mean, of course it would be the most amazing thing ever to be able to play another year with my brother, and I really wish I could be there to help him through all the troubles of being a 
being a freshman at Ohio State <laughs> because he's coming he's coming from a school where he's the absolute man and now he's just gonna be another freshman but um it really would have been the only thing that um would have made me possibly consider it. But your body can only take so much damage and going through a whole nother year of football it's just you never know what could happen. Mm-hmm. So I just I have to take take this opportunity while I have it. So speaking of your, your little brother a little bit, what kind of advice would you give to him as he comes into high state? I mean, what kind of things does he need to know, especially, you know, coming into something, a similar situation that you had? Listen to the coaches because they know what they're always talking about. <laughs> Just buy, buy into the program as fast as we can, and I know he will because he'll have me every step of the way to help him. Right. And he already has a great relationship with Coach Meyer. And I, I think I set him up pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. No kidding. Um, so, Joe, you know, the team went out and won a national championship maybe a year earlier than, than most people expected them to, to be ready to, to go out and make that run. And, you know, there were some incredibly pivotal moments in the year, not I mean, not even on the field. I mean, things with, with you know, Costa Cara George and, and, you know, the injury to JT during the Michigan game. Can you talk a little bit about what that run was like through, you know, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon, what that was like for you and, and you know, how you look back on it now? Oh, man. It, uh, it's just what you came to Ohio State for to win that national championship. And uh, it's it's amazing. It happened two years into my career. Um couldn't have asked for better experience, really. Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the things that I always think about is just sometimes these these crazy things come out of nowhere. And I just remember where the team was, at least our perception of that, at the beginning of the season to where you guys were at the end of the season. Was it was it a situation at that time where you guys, like the beginning of the season, Braxton Miller gets hurt? I mean, were you guys kind of maybe down a little bit and it was a process, or did you immediately snap to and say, all right, this is a mission, we got to get something done? Um. I think when we saw Braxton go down, it was a pretty pretty painful um, experience for our whole team because he's our guy. We we really thought he was going to take it take it take us to the to the championship and uh, having JT, who we knew was a amazingly hard worker. I mean, we trusted him, but it's just hard hard to trust someone and I mean it's Braxton Miller you know <laughs> right yeah Bra- right when you have Braxton Miller with the ball you you're, you trust who's going to do something good with it so I don't think we were doubting it was just we were a little worried but <laughs> we we did as well as we possibly could and it ended up working out pretty well <laughs> yeah, it certainly did um, so who are some of these young defensive players that maybe our fans don't know yet are going to have big careers? Who, who are some of these guys you've seen in practice that you just know they're going to have breakout careers? Um, well, I, I think you guys know a little bit about Sam Hubbard already, but, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah next year, definitely look for him to be an impact player. 
Taekwon, obviously, getting to come back. Um, Jalen Holmes, another D-end. He's going to have, I'm sure he's going to have a great year. And um, hopefully Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to tell you something. So my last question for you, um, this is something that's been on my mind a lot. Urban Meyer said that he would get a tattoo if you guys won the national championship. I don't believe he's following through on that promise. And I would like to know uh, what your suggestion for this tattoo would be for him. Oh, man. <laughs> um, got to get the trophy somewhere. I got it on my. I got. I got it on my leg. So nice. He's got to get it somewhere. Yeah, I think it'd be good. Just right on his chest, in the middle of his chest. I think it'd be pretty sweet. Just right on his, <laughs> right on his butt cheek. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Oh, man. Okay, so my last question, Joey, is also about Urban Meyer. I want to get your take, your critique of his dabbing technique. Oh, I mean, you see a lot of these coaches dabbing. Yeah. Him, surprisingly, was one of the best. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Better than Frank Beamer, at least. It's definitely better than Frank Beamer's. (laughs) And, and, And dabbers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Joey Bosa, thanks you know so much for being on the Dubcast. We know you're you're incredibly busy working your tail off to get ready for this combine. We wish you nothing but the best uh, moving forward, and, and good luck with the draft as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. All right, well, it's time for our favorite part of the show, Johnny. It is Ask Us Anything time. Yay, it's Ask Us Anything. Let's do it. We need a catchy Ask Us Anything theme song. Do we? I think. Yeah, I think we should have one. If you want to ask us anything and have a good time, just send in your emails and tweets that rhyme. Michael and Johnny will try to answer all your inquiries because we like to waste time and tell stories. It's Ask Us Anything time, children. Let's ask anything. Or answer anything. I stand corrected. No, it's good. Um, no, it's good. We're going to do that every time. Make a copy uh, of that audio, and we're going to yeah. do it. Oops, my computer melted down. That's, well, um, that's unfortunate. But good thing I'm, I'm also recording back up to this. <laughs> sure, sure you are. Um, okay, so, Johnny, tell people how they can ask us anything, please. You can ask us anything or send us an alternative theme song for Ask Us Anything by writing us uh, an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com or... You can hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. Yeah. And just spell it all out. All right, so uh, what do we got in the email uh, bin today, Johnny? All right, well, we got one from Alvin um, who asked a very provocative question, which is, if you could start a new Twitter account that tweets out anonymous hot takes, uh, what would it be, and who is the first person that you will troll? So, Michael, what, what do you think about that? Who, who is the guy that you want to go after on Twitter uh, with the hottest of takes? Well, I, I typically would like to troll Mark May. Okay. But uh, I think in this case, uh, Rovell or Forty, Darren Rovell or Pat <laughs> Forty would be good targets. Yeah. And I think it would be like the the hot take person would be like you know, I don't know, like Pat Forty's mom or you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> and it'd be like you know, it would just be like a Pat Forty take plus your mom at the end or something like you know, just lame like that. Stella Forty. Stella Forty has opinions on what you wrote this week. Um, yeah. See, what about you? Well, because I can't, I can't pick Darren Ravel because I already trolled him, and then I, he blocked me. 
Because uh, <laughs> remember, I spent an entire evening basically just telling him he was bad at his job until he blocked <laughs> yeah. me. And I t- it took like an hour and a half, but it was worth it. Um, yeah. Well, at least you know he was reading those. Yeah, which is really funny. Like, I don't even... I think there's one person I've blocked on Twitter because they were just being persistently weird and racist. Um, and, and, like, anything I would mention, they would just say something racist in response. And I, I guess I said something anti-racist at some point in time in my Twitter career. And this guy took offense to me not being offensive and just was weird. And I just said, all right, well, I'm going to block you. But for the most part, I just kind of ignore people. And if people say I suck, like, I actually think it's kind of funny. So I don't really I don't really care. Um, but if I was going to pick a Twitter troll target, not something I would say five times fast. If I were going to pick a Twitter troll target, um, God, I mean, there's always the usual suspects, right? Like Mark May, but I, at this point, I almost feel like Mark May is harmless because he's been relegated to the the netherworld of like the you know the halftime shows and stuff on you know mm-hmm, yeah. mid morning you know Saturday games and stuff. So I think if I were going to go after somebody, I'm going after some big game. I want to see how mad I can make Jim Harbaugh. And I think what I would do is he follows like a lot of rappers, right? Like I would spell, I I'd try to make like a really fake Rihanna or like. T.I. Twitter account, but just like slightly change the name. So and, and what I would do is I would just start tweeting stuff at him to see if he can get confused. So I would basically like talking all the smack about Michigan football and and really make him worry that, you know, his best friends in the uh, the hip hop sphere weren't uh, his buddies anymore. So I might I might do something like that um, just to kind of catfish Jim Harbaugh a little bit and see what I how, how far I can go with it. It's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm all, all, I feel all like he's favor. really susceptible to it too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I figured, like I really yeah. think that that's something that somebody could pull off, like legitimately in real life. So, I mean, I won't, yeah. but you know, somebody else should. All right, we have a question on uh, the twitters. Okay, our good friend Shaddy wants to know. He says we're all missing talking about one of the best potential things to come out of an otherwise disappointing OSU hoop season. If we make the NIT, maybe the potential exists for a home game at St. John Arena like in 2008. How great would that be? That actually would be really great. I, that would be all the great, Shaddy. All of the great that would be. I think as long as – honestly, as long as they're going to keep that thing standing and as long as it's still like structurally sound, I guess, um, I think they should have at least one game a year in St. John Arena. But I know they won't because they don't – you know what? Because like, they don't want to – they don't want to have a better environment, right? They don't want to say exactly. that, like this is a better place to have a basketball game because that would kind of invalidate the whole point of, you know, the Schottenstein Center. So, um, yeah, I, I would really love to see a basketball game in there. I, I've never seen one personally, and I've been there for various other things, you know, like skull sessions and some other sporting events and whatnot. But I would really, really love to see a basketball game in an old-fashioned basketball arena like that. That'd be really cool. I tell you, if you haven't got a chance to to see a basketball game in St. John Arena, I can't even tell you about how great the atmosphere was for a big game. Yeah, uh, like if Indiana or Michigan came to town, how I feel like awesome it would be it blisteringly hot though. Like that place gets really warm really fast. Yeah, it could be warm, but it was it was really 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 loud. I yeah. mean, like insanely loud, and. That my uh, yeah. one year I had, but right before the season ticket things exploded, we had I was one of the uh, my student class got the last full season full student season tickets. That's cool for uh, at, at St. John. So um, after that, they went to a split season thing. So you had the you only, you got half of the games, half of the available home games right. instead of the whole thing. 
Um, our seats were not quite on mid-court, but, but just about mid-court, but they were in the very highest row in the entire arena. <laughs> okay. And the cool thing about that was you could stand on your seat and beat on the heating duct. Oh, man. And make even more noise. And we used to just stand on our seats and pound the hell out of the heating duct. That's a good idea. That's, that's always <laughs> a good idea to, like, make that arena even more structurally unsound than it already is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't really even think about it. We just say, hey, this is a nice loud noise. Let's do this. And people would, you know, thump the, the, the wooden seats and all that stuff. And it was just really loud, really intimidating. And it allowed some pretty mediocre Ohio State teams to beat some good teams along the way at home. So uh, it really gave the team a good good home court advantage. I, it's a shame that they didn't design the new building with, you know, let's keep the best of what St. John had right. and just add some modern touches well, to it. Well, you know, they wanted to make it as modular as possible. And that's, you know, that's not – usually a good recipe for a good, you know, college basketball arena. I mean, those are like, they're supposed to be intimate by nature. Right. And, you know, St. John, like it, what they have right now, you know, is not what they used to have. I mean, they want to have big concerts in there. They want to have a hockey game. They want to be able to have giant tournament games, things like that. So, I mean, I get the, I get the reasoning behind it and it's, it's a, I'm not you know, like crap it on John scene, you know, uh, I'm just saying that it's not, maybe ideal for some of these marquee games that we like to see. And especially, you know, as we're, as we're speaking right now, they're playing a game against Michigan and yep. that'd be really cool to see in St. John arena. That'd be amazing. But yeah. that's just, you know, that's not the direction that they wanted to go with that. True. But Shaddy, if it comes to pass in the NIT and Ohio state gets to host a game in St. John arena, it would be very, very cool. And I'm glad you brought that up because I really miss those days um, you know, I liked where the program has grown. I liked the, the fact that they were able to put in new facilities, but really they they totally lost something in the transition yeah. when they moved over. Fingers crossed for the NIT for Ohio State this year. Let's let's hope <laughs> yeah. they can let's hope that's where they end up. Yeah. That's what we're all open for. Right. Uh so that's Ask Us Anything, Johnny. Yep. And please continue to send in your questions because we love to answer them and, and make fun of you if you ask a dumb question. And Johnny can sing next. Yay! Time. Yes, thank God. All right, that'll just about do it for another uh, wonderful edition of the Eleven Dubcast. We want to definitely thank our guest Joey Bosa and wish him good luck as he prepares for the NFL Combine Absolutely. and the upcoming NFL Draft and Pro Day and all those other things he's got coming up. Yep. Uh, before we get out of here, Johnny, I got a last final question for you. All right, let's do it. Let's hit it. All right, so we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the trolling thing on Twitter, right? Yeah. Uh, I would like to know, you you have carte blanche. Twitter has come to you and said, you know what? There's just too damn many people tweeting. <laughs> okay. You get to pick. It's a little contrary to, to the business model, but all right. It does, but maybe they're, you know, their servers are overloaded, and they come to you and say, you can get rid of one person. Any person on Twitter, you can delete their account, and they can never get another account. Who do you get rid of? My own account. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> who do I delete? I don't, you know, the thing is, though, like, I really try to structure my Twitter experience. I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter, and that's that's on purpose. Like, I really try to um, structure my Twitter experience for maximum enjoyment, not maximum, you know, fury or anger. Like, I don't follow people that annoy me or that I don't like. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that, Anytime somebody like, 
I, I think Twitter needs to have a kind of a probationary like demerit system or something like that. So anybody, anytime somebody like starts tweeting like maybe more than five tweets a minute about something that they are uniquely unqualified to talk about, then they should be like on, in Twitter jail for like a day and a half. And then there should just be like, you know, whenever they try to tweet something, like a big sign pops up on their, you know, screen that says, don't do it. Nope, nope. And then just shuts it down and logs them out. Because um, I follow this, there's this one guy who's like an artist and he fancies himself a bit of a, a political commentator. I don't even really like his art. I just think it's kind of funny to watch the train wreck. I don't even follow him. I just like pop in from time to time on his account to see how he's doing. And, and it's just filled with just ridiculous amounts of like, poli sci 101 stuff that he thinks he's the first guy to ever think of it and you're just like oh my god i can't believe you're like saying it's 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 kind of like watching a guy who's my age basically relive freshman year of college and they just took like all their 100 level classes and they're like they think they're the smartest person in the world and it's it's really kind of hilarious to watch but every time i see it i'm like god i just wish i could delete this account (laughs) just for him just just all the douche chills that i get so that's that's probably what I would do. I think I would uh, delete Bert Bielema's Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Why uh, is that? I, this, I think that he's number one. I think he's bad at Twitter. Sure. Um, I think he's not very good at it. So, what makes and, and a lot of I people. I don't follow. I don't follow Mr. Bielema um, on Twitter, and and that there is of course a, a reason for that because he's he's Brett Bielema. But what makes him so <laughs> bad about it? Uh, I just think he's like he doesn't quite get it and he's just keeps trying it, even though he doesn't really quite get it yeah. and it just doesn't come off really well. And also, I mean, that's one thing, but I also want to see if there's an actual core, you know, correlation between not having a Twitter account and his recruiting. Oh, it's- so it's twofold. I want to, it's like experimental, but also then I won't have people, you know, retweeting his goofy tweets into my timeline. So in other words, like, you know, if he, if he doesn't have access to the teens via a form of social media, will that hurt his recruiting? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a social experiment in addition, to, in addition to getting some annoying crap out now, of my I timeline. find that interesting. The only thing that I would say about that, though, is I don't want to take away an outlet for my enemies to look stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I would, <laughs> yeah. I would never want Harbaugh to stop tweeting. I want Harbaugh to just tweet the most insane, random crap for all eternity, because I want to be able to laugh about it and make jokes about it. I don't want crazy people that I dislike to, to ever stop tweeting. Um, I want just boring, annoying people to stop tweeting. But that's that's pretty much the extent of my, you know, Stalinist yeah. sense. Well, and I, and I think I think Bert I think Bert is one of those boring tweeters. I think Harbaugh is actually funny as hell on Twitter. Oh yeah, he's crazy. I think he's great, he's and I love how he like, subtweets people that he doesn't like. Yeah, which is really great. Not- like he's subtweeting and, like the 49ers organization. Like that's that's great. Like good. Yeah, I, you know there's a Twitter war coming with him oh, yeah. at some point. At some point, at some point he's going to snap. He's get real. He's going to get real bored in the off season when he can't have contact with his players or whatever, and he's going to just he's going to spend all day on Twitter and just rock everybody's world. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait for that day either. Well, that does it, Johnny. Uh, we are done. We have uh, we've done our final question. We've done our ask us anything. We had a great, great uh, come conversation with joey bosa and um i think we've we've put a bow on this thing. yeah i think we're done for this week all right so until next week i am michael citro i'm john Ginner. peace bye